Hello and welcome to Communities Forward. I'm your host, Terrell Carter. Communities Forward seeks to share the stories and experiences of people who are making a positive impact within their communities and neighborhoods, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area. The Communities Forward podcast is brought to you by RISE Community Development. You can learn more about RISE and how we participate in the process of helping neighborhoods and communities become healthier and more equitable at www.risestl.org www.risestl.org. Today's episode is part one of our interview with Charles Bryson, Policy and Catalyst for TrailNet. TrailNet is a St. Louis nonprofit whose mission is to lead in fostering healthy, active, and vibrant communities where walking, bicycling, and the use of public transit are a way of life. TrailNet believes that everyone should have access to safe, low-stress walking and biking connections where we live, work, and play in our communities. And to foster their mission, TrailNet works within the St. Louis region and across the state to respond to the demand for improved walking and biking networks that attract and retain talent, strengthen our economy, and connect people to the places that they love. Charles Bryson has extensive experience working in nonprofits and various positions within St. Louis City government, including as special advisor to former mayor Francis Slay, then as director of public safety, and finally as the director of the Civil Rights Enforcement Agency for the city of St. Louis. In part one of our interview, Charles describes his experiences growing up in St. Louis, moving away to begin his professional career, and how his early life experiences shaped his journey to become a leader. Hope that you enjoy this conversation. All right. Hey, Charles, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm well, and yourself? I am doing well. Um, and so as a point of, I don't know how I'm saying this, but as a point of interest, maybe to the listeners, most of the people that I have on the, the program, I don't necessarily have a uh, well, no, there have been multiple people on the program who I've had a relationship with, and there are people that I've admired from afar, and I have to acknowledge that you are one of those people, and I'm not trying to stroke your ego. I'm just saying that I'm really happy to have you on the program today. Uh, I first met you when I was in my late, no, early 30s, when I was the executive director at an organization called Create, um, and we're not going to go into all of that, but um my point is, is that I've admired you from afar, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to finally have the opportunity to talk to you uh, on this this platform. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate uh, that, and um, really, I'm, I'm glad to, to be here with you today. So I want this to be more conversational than anything, and I would love to have you start out by telling us some things about yourself, like who are you, where are you from, how did you end up in St. Louis? And that's not well, to me. That's not me asking you what high school you went to. <laughs> I can well actually that that is part of what makes me me. Uh, so Charles Bryson, uh, I grew up, uh, started out in, in the city of St. Louis on Lexington. Uh, went to Lexington grade school, and um, when I was getting ready to be twelve, uh, so I was mom and dad had an older sister. She unfortunately has passed, and um, one day we found out that the bank that my mother and, and, and father used, and my mother was a pharmacist, full-time job. My dad was labor organizer with Teamsters Local 688. Uh, we couldn't get a loan to rehab our house. And um, we were going to be forced to move. 
And what we did was we moved from St. Louis City on Lexington to St. Louis County and the Lindbergh School District, which was a substantial change. And what I'd like to tell people is by the time I was a senior in high school, um, I went from a 98, 99% census tract, black census tract to a 99% white census tract in St. Louis County. My graduating class in Lindbergh in 1976 was a little around 900, 950. There were two blacks. And so me learning how to navigate that water um, on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, uh, was uh, one of the keys to who and what I am today. Um, it's unfortunate that redlining took place, that my family had to move, but it allowed me to, to some degree, learn an entirely different culture that would probably carry me through uh, my entire career, including today. Thank you for that. Obviously, I did not know that about you. So two questions. Um, you, you said that going through that experience has helped to shape you who you are today. I want to learn more about that. I want to hear more about that. But first, I want to, how much of it is, and I, how much of it is simply redlining? Did, did any of it involve the fact that your father was a labor organizer? Did Were there any kind of pushback? Was he experiencing any kind of adverse effects from his service to his community? Well, that frankly, I don't know. But I do know mom and dad made good money, even back then in the, in, the, in, the, in the 70s and 60s, and probably had good credit. Um, and while Lexington has to some degree not changed much physically, uh, if you go back then, you saw a lot of working families, families, and, and a lot of people would be, you know, while I was out, the school was a block and 50 feet from my house. And so when I would walk to school, uh, I would see folks milling to their cars, maybe getting ready to take the bus uh, to go to work. I don't, I, I drove by there a couple of months ago, old time's sake, and it, it doesn't feel the same. There's not the same character that there was when I was growing up. And I would guess other families, now that I think back over those years, other families left. They just didn't say anything. Just one day the moving company showed up or the you know, the two folks with the big trucks uh, uh, showed up and they were gone. And we sort of, okay, well, I'll see you. Never known why. Me in particular, I know why. My dad was very honest about why we had to move. Hmm. Thank you. Um, so back to this, the original or the first, the prior question is, what are some of the things that you either learned or how did that experience of going to the Lindbergh School District, how did that shape you and, in your words, make you into the man that you are today? Well, I, I think when you are trapped in a particular area of the city, that's all you know. And, you know, there are a wide variety of people that you have to, whether you go to college, uh, whether you get a job, whatever you do, you're gonna have to learn how to work with people who are not you, whether it's uh, 
white folks, whether it's Asians, whether it's Hispanics, um, and then we get into the whole issue of religions, you're gonna have to, I'll use the word deal, and I don't mean that as a negative, but situations will occur that if you don't have a small understanding or awareness, not only of who you are, but who they might be, uh, you're not really gonna get ahead. You're not gonna be productive in your work environment. I want to, I think we're going to try to touch on this some more later on in the conversation, but okay. So you go to Lindbergh School District, you graduate, and then what happens next? Did you go to college? And if so, where? I went to Forest Park Community College for two and a half years, and then went to UMSL for another year. Um, I didn't like school, never really did. Uh, and so I left uh, my junior year of UMSL and, and have never gone back. So how did, what was it, what did you do after that? And what was the transition like to being a working adult um, without having graduated college? And I don't ask that question in a negative because I'm one who truly believes that college may not be for everyone. You, you said you were on a two and a half year plan at Forest Park. I was on a much longer plan <laughs> when I was a student at Forest Park. I think I was on a five and a half year plan to, to just get my undergrad degree. But what was the next step then when you uh, entered into the workforce? I had to find a job. And so I did uh, a little a little of this, a little of that. Um, when I was at UMSO, I uh, was majoring in political science and public administration and uh, sort of fell into the political science academy is what it was called at that time. I think it has a, a different name now and met some people who saw my energy and said, you know, he's smart enough to do what we need him to do. So I worked for various political consulting firms um, and a variety of, of, of get out the vote efforts. Um, and, and that was, I had thought about uh, running for office at the time um, and decided that that's probably not the best thing for me to be an actual elected official, uh, but to work behind the scenes and do what's necessary, not only get people elected, but get out the vote, educate and inform people on the issues of the day. Uh, so I hope this is an appropriate question. Why did, why was it not good for you? So recently we uh, had the, an interview with uh, the mayor of Webster Groves, who is a um, former professor uh, Polly saw as well, and she talked about the fact that, uh, you know, she did all this teaching people about and encouraging people about public office and need for it, and then finally she had to answer the question, why would she not do it herself? So uh, she ended up running, getting elected, and is now the mayor, but uh, what's, is, if I, again, I hope this is appropriate, what are what are the reasons why you didn't think it was good for you? And I'm asking that question because maybe it can help somebody else as they think through the same kind of question themselves, because you know a lot of things that we're hearing uh, regularly is, is we need especially more people of color to run for public office. Um, again, recognizing that being behind the scenes is just as valuable. Uh, anyway, hopefully you understand the question I'm trying to ask. Sure. <laughs> so simply put, um, I have a lot of insecurities about myself in the public space whether that's um, dealing with some of the major issues, interviewing, oddly enough, 
And I'm I'm just not real comfortable in, even though you've seen me lately in front of the camera, that's not my comfort zone. Um, and so working as a staff person, uh, one of my dream jobs always was working as a staff person in Washington, D.C. Um, that would have been the highlight of my career, but that didn't happen. But I'm not, that those are spaces I'm not real comfortable in. I, I deal with them and I, I've learned how to, uh, I've learned how to be that, that person. But on a 24 seven, 365 day, no, that, that's really not me. I'd rather be the person to hand the elected official the cue cards and say, here's what you need to say, don't mess up. Uh, rather than being in front of the camera uh, and, and being you know the head of those things. And I, I, I imagine that the elected official is clearly happy that there are people like that uh, as part of their camp, part of their team as well. So, okay, so you do some uh, political consulting, uh, get out the vote, and then helping with campaigns. Uh, what happens after that then? I ended up working in homeless services. Um, I needed a full-time 40-hour week job because, as you know, Campaign mode is sometimes they're elected and after they're elected, they don't need those those folks. Uh, and so I went into homeless services and I've been in uh, male homeless services, female homeless services, transitional housing programs, um, both in St. Louis and in Baltimore, Maryland and in Springfield, Illinois. And then after that, I took a, what I would consider one of my dream jobs was I became director of the uh, Harrison Youth Center in Peoria, Illinois, which was really just an incredible experience for me. Um, Thank you for listening in to Communities Forward. You can find more episodes on your preferred podcast platform between Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, or Spotify. You can learn more about Rise Community Development, a nonprofit organization working to connect communities with local institutions and to empower the revitalization of neighborhoods in Greater St. Louis at risesdl.org. You can follow and support Rise on social media at Rise on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can also find us at RiseSTL on Twitter and Rise Community Development on Instagram. You can also check out our Young Professionals Board, who engages in collaborative, project-based work and research development to advance community revitalization in St. Louis. We also have a YP Board, and you can find them at Rise SDL YP Board on Facebook, Rise Young Professionals on Instagram, and Rise SDL YP on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the episode. Those young men, I was hired. I, Somebody could have filed a lawsuit because clearly the board wanted to hire male. That was the deal. Um, and, and I know that, and they knew that. They just didn't say it to me at the time. But uh, so I became director of the Harrison Youth Center, spent two and a half good years there. Uh, those kids were uh, incredible. And just, they needed someone to look up to. A lot of the families did not have a father. Um, they were not doing well in school. And so they needed some assistance 
in that vernacular. So how, how, how could we bridge the home to school process? How can we uh, provide more resources to them? Uh, one of my, one of, I know that, thank you for giving me a peek at the later on questions. One of them really was um, the test scores, the reading scores were low with Harrison School. And we were probably, we were literally between the Harrison School and their house, the kids' house. And so we said, what can we do to help? And we set up a summer school for two years in a row. Summer school had number one, it was eight weeks long. We fed them breakfast and lunch. And we had better attendance at summer school than they did during the regular school year. We got uh, Illinois State University uh, to, we recruited them to help with the teachers because it's a teacher's college uh, primarily. And so they came in and they set up the curriculum. We focused on math and reading and did eight incredible weeks of that, two years in a row. The goal was that kids who went to our summer school program did one grade level better than they had done the previous year. So if they were a D student, they were gonna be a C student. If they were C student, they were gonna be a B student from the work that we did. And then our after school programs during the, during the course of the, the regular school year. Um, it worked, it worked. Um, so much so that the school district took it over and why does that no, not surprise me I, it, it wasn't but but we, we shamed them and, and and that's unfortunate and it's a horrible thing to, to say and deal with but we shamed them we said we can teach your kids better than you can and and your kids will want to come to our program before they want to come to school now there's probably a lot of psychological sociological reasons why but the fact that those kids woke up at eight o'clock, uh, seven o'clock in the morning to be at our program for breakfast at eight and stayed till two every day, Monday through Friday, for the work that we did, to me, signaled and will always signal, those kids want to learn. You got to catch them early and you got to show you care. What else did, what is that, what did you learn about yourself during that time in your on your journey to become a leader? What did you learn about yourself? I had more patience than I thought I did. Um, oddly enough that I would be a good father um, because you, you, as a dad, and you know this, you set the bar and you say, whether it was your kids or you're working in a program and it's somebody else's kids, these are things I will accept. These are things I won't accept. Um, and and always being there. So I couldn't, I, I, unless it was about money, I was never at a meeting from three o'clock to five o'clock because I wanted to walk the room, say hi to those kids um, and be there and be that presence for them. If there was a problem, we would address it. I always let the kids call me Charles because that's my name. So I don't do that Mr. Bryson stuff, you know, just me. Um, 
uh, Terrell, you know, I saw you punch Joe and, and Joe punched you back. We don't do that in my house. My house. We don't do that in my house. So we either you fix it now, we'll send you home for the rest of the night. Maybe I'll let you come back tomorrow. But you got to understand, these are the rules of my house. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. And they understood it. They understood whether I was the only male involved in their life that was setting standards, setting rules. I have no idea. But in my house, this is how you're going to act. And uh, anything short of that does not meet with my expectations of, of for me, but it also shouldn't meet your expectations for you. A kid came in. Um, I'll use, I know his first name was Bobby. I won't mention his last name because I don't even think I remember it now. Uh, Bobby had a problem and he liked to hit folk because he had aggression, anger issues. Bobby, I'm sorry. You, you, you need to spend a week away from here. Bobby started crying. While he understood that the reason for his suspension for a week, he couldn't fathom not being in the center, being among the, the rest of the kids, being among the rest of our staff, being there. He begged and pleaded, had his mama come up. You understand why he's gone for a week? Oh, Mr. Bryson. And da, 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 da. Okay, look, I think it was like a Tuesday. I said, you're gone for the week. Come back Monday, but come back with a different attitude. That was it. That was it. And I bet he came back with a different attitude. So there's two things that stick out to me in what you just said is say catch them early and show them you care. Uh, those yes. are obviously two important things. Um, and I never would have equated, <laughs> but I get the connection of how it makes you into a better father. Um, and, and it, was it, was, it was practice. It was good practice <laughs> <laughs> to see if you want to have a, have a, have yourself and bring them home and stay with them twenty four hours a day. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I got through this part, so yeah, yeah. I can get through what, what what my own will put me through. Where'd you end up after that? Then um, you so that was uh, in Illinois. Did you come back to St. Louis after that? Came back to St. Louis. Uh, got a call from the Missouri Housing Development Commission, uh, and they wanted me to do. Um, affordable housing uh, uh, education in the city and the county, actually east of, Missouri, east of Missouri, so east of Columbia, or Jeff City, either one. Uh, they wanted me to do community work, uh, community engagement work. And I said, yeah, because there was more money and I wanted to be back home. Um, and so uh, I came back after two and a half year stint in Peoria. So when I met you, and I mentioned this briefly at the very beginning, you were just in full, uh, you were in service to, um, or you were working as part of the staff for the mayor. Am I, am I saying that correctly? Yes. All right. Yes. How did that end up? How did you make that transition? Was that something you were looking forward to, or was a door just opened up for you and you were like, this makes sense? <laughs> so I had been in almost every ward and neighborhood throughout the city. Um, Mayor Slay is on his way to being elected. That was fine. Mayor Slay got elected. And I got a call one day 
from uh, one of his uh, case, key uh, advisors. And the phone call went like this. Hey, Charles. Yes. You interested in making a move? Sure, I'd consider that. Okay, we'll be in touch. Click. Okay, what did I just say? What did I just sign up for? But, but I knew who the, I knew the person, obviously. I won't mention names. Knew the person, knew her, knew that person's relationship with the mayor. So I realized what was getting ready to happen or may happen. So interviewed, that went well. A couple of weeks passed, interview with the mayor. That obviously went well. Um, and he hired me. Well, so what was your, I don't even care necessarily care about the title. What did you understand your your responsibilities, your privilege of working, whatever whatever way is the correct way of saying it? What did you understand it was to be? Same thing. Ward, neighborhood meetings, two things. Tell them what the mayor's um, activities, issues uh, were going to be. Uh, on a regular basis and share information with the mayor as to what people were thinking in the community. Uh, one of the other things I got the privilege of doing was helping the mayor select folks for boards and commit black folks for boards and, and Hispanic, now I should say that right, uh, Hispanic folks for boards and commissions. Uh, up until that time, the vast majority of boards and commissions in the city of St. Louis were overwhelmingly white. Um, he wanted to spice it up and said, Charles, let's, you help me find folk to do that. I said, sure, not a problem. And so I went out and selectively got some folks and said, hey, do you want to serve? And most folks don't even know <clears throat> the vast number of boards and commissions in the city. That is huge. So when I would go up to somebody and say, hey, you want to be on the library board? Well, what did they do? Or you want to be on the uh, uh, RCGA board, not RCGA, regional, um, regional Arts Commission. Well, what do they do? Come here, let's go to lunch. Let's chat. Let's go to breakfast. Let's have coffee. Let's chat. And, and so it, 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 was, it was an incredible experience for me to be able to do that and put people on boards and commissions who would never have thought that they would have the ability meaning a mayor would appoint them to be on a board and commission. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed part one of our two-part interview. Check back next week to hear the second half of our interview with Mr. Bryson and have a good weekend.